From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, December 21st. The state's newly drawn House District 69 covers a lot of area in southern Utah, including all of San Juan and Grand County. That could open the seat to a Democratic Party challenger like Davina Smith. KZMU's Justin Higginbottom speaks to Smith, who recently announced her candidacy for the district. Over the weekend, Davina Smith rode on horseback to a spot in Monument Valley where her family had buried her umbilical cord. It's a Navajo tradition that tied her to the area. It's that area she hopes to serve in Utah's House of Representatives. Smith is the first Navajo woman to run for Utah State Legislature. I felt I really needed to start my journey from there where everything had begun for me. So that's a place I really wanted to announce my seat. Smith's family has a tradition of advocacy in the region, something she hopes to continue. Everything that I've advocated for, it's always been about protecting sacred lands, which I grew up with that environment. And that kind of started in the year 1974 when the Navajo Relocation Act began. And that was on my father's side, his mother, the late Catherine Smith, she was one of the resistors that resisted from being forcibly relocated when the coal mine companies had come to Northern Arizona and that was Black Mesa area. And so me growing up with my grandparents on my mother's side, I grew up with understanding our Diné language. And so when I would hear conversations visiting my, my late grandmother in Big Mountain, Arizona, I heard discussions of forced relocation and hearing about family members that have been relocated to nearby cities. And so That for me was terrifying. Then hearing about my grandmother traveling to Geneva to speak the UN and the United Nations coming to Big Mountain, Arizona, she gave me that understanding of always protecting our lands because these are our sacred lands for the Diné people. So that was instilled in me at a very young age to advocate and also help our people. Smith herself has a long resume in advocacy and education, including campaigns for Bears Ears National Monument. She says entering politics was likely going to happen at some point. I always had an interest, but I just felt I wasn't ready. And I had actually gone to a speak at a women's outdoor retreat. And as I'm sitting among some amazing women, very young and hearing their aspirations. And it was just like, you know, a knock in my head, like, what are you waiting for? So I made that call in uh, late October and said, okay, I I'm ready. Her likely challenger will be Republican State Representative Phil Lyman, who won his seat pretty handily last election. Although with new voting maps, the district could be more competitive. So far, Smith doesn't have specific policies she's supporting. But she says she realizes this district is diverse, and she'll need to appeal to both Native and non-Native residents. This is that time under the new district that we need to bring unity. I know I've always advocated for my Native communities, but this is a large district and I would love to engage and unite a lot of our communities. And I feel this is that time to do that. One thing I I instill in my cultural teachings wherever I go is a word that's hojo. And hojo means balance and harmony. So if we can bring some form of balance in our community, you know, I think we can work together. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News.
In the last month of the year, Moab City has updated their 2021 water conservation plan. The document includes a comprehensive history of water in the Moab Valley, where it comes from, and who's using what. Yeah, I think it's a great place to start if people are interested in the water situation in town. Mila Dunbar-Irwin, Sustainability Director at Moab City. Dunbar-Irwin and the city's Water Advisory Board worked on this plan update for months. It's a state requirement that every water conservancy district do so every five years. I think that what we ended up with is a really great document that outlines um, both a lot of the background concerns and information that we have about our water supply. Moab's water conservation plan update also includes some potential action items to achieve regional goals. Dunbar-Irwin says it gives us a path forward that's a combination of policy and conservation and you know, working together with our partners uh, to achieve a more sustainable water future for Moab. The state has set new goals for the Moab area to conserve more water by 2030. Moab City proposes to meet and exceed those goals by implementing a suite of water conservation measures. Currently, the city has no ordinances or standards that address water conservation directly, but that is likely to change. The new council and mayor will be making decisions on a few items suggested in the plan, like new development standards, system upgrades, and water-wise education for residents. We're looking at having a water conservation workshop with the council, um, probably in the beginning of February, where we'll really get a good handle on where we want to start and how we want to start implementing the conservation plan. Water has been a hot topic in Moab for years. It's complicated by the structure of the aquifers. There's disagreement on how much water is safe to consume annually. Amid this complexity, the Water Conservation Plan update outlines a so-called prudent approach, encouraging water preservation now to study against a, quote, uncertain future. To read the plan update, you can find a link in the show notes of today's news on our website, kzmu.org, and wherever you listen to the KZMU News podcast. Discussions on the future of the Colorado River wrapped up in Las Vegas last week. As KUNC's Alex Hager reports, officials there struck a tone of urgency. With the water supply for 40 million people on the line, scientists and policymakers laid out all the ways in which a steadily drying river threatens life in the West. Some states agreed to a new deal that will keep more water in Lake Mead, but leaders acknowledged that the region needs more substantial changes for the future. Assistant Interior Secretary Tanya Trujillo. These current hydrologic projections are a stark reminder that we need to continue to do more. Water managers are under pressure to come up with new guidelines about how to share the river before the current set of rules expires in 2026. In Las Vegas, I'm Alex Hager. The Bureau of Land Management's national headquarters is shifting east. Amy Haddon Marsh has this update. The Bureau of Land Management's national headquarters is moving back to Washington, D.C. The Colorado Gazette and The Hill report that BLM Director Tracy Stone Manning told employees in an email that the Deputy Director for Operations will head back to D.C. along with eight assistant directors and deputy assistant directors, plus 30 vacant senior jobs. At the time of the move to Grand Junction in 2019, the agency employed about 360 workers in Washington. 
more than 75% of those employees chose to retire or work somewhere else, including more than half of the agency's black employees. Another 41 employees moved to other Western BLM offices. Only three chose to move to Grand Junction. Advocates said the relocation would put BLM decision-makers closer to the 245 million federal acres they administer in the western U.S. and to agency employees already based in the West. But William Perry Pendley, the agency's acting director at the time, remained in D.C. BLM shared the Grand Junction headquarters building with Chevron, the West Slope Colorado Oil and Gas Association, and Laramie Energy. Oil and gas operations on federal lands are regulated by BLM and the Interior Department. A Government Accounting Office review of the 2019 decision found that the agency failed to consider key planning strategies and employee involvement before the move. 36 jobs will remain in Grand Junction. For KDNK, I'm Amy Haddon-Marsh. This report is from our partners at KDNK. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, December 21st. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.